1: Hope you're keeping warm, staying safe on the roads tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thank you so much for tuning in this evening. In the NHL tonight, only three games. Dallas- And Los Angeles will start in about an hour. Capitals and Flyers 2-2 late in the second period. Also late in the second period, Jets up 3-2 on the Maple Leafs. Mark Shifley with his 21st tonight. Austin Matthews has his 30th. The Maple Leafs were on a stretch going 9-0-1 before the Oilers beat them in regulation time on uh, Monday. The Jets trying to hand them another loss this evening. The Oilers' next opponent, the Montreal Canadiens, they are having a tough time 0-6-1 in their last seven. Tomorrow's broadcast will start at 3.30 in the afternoon with the face-off show game at 5 right here on 6.30. Chet, Uh, Brian writes in. He says, I was glad to hear that Bobby Orr helped get a bunch of tickets for Connor McDavid's family. No way Connor could have afforded them. And then he has a bunch of little smiley faces after his text. Well, the tickets are pretty expensive to NHL games in Toronto. Maybe that would have been a year of Connor's contract. I don't know. Probably not. Western Hockey League tonight. Now 2-0 for the Oil Kings leading Moose Jaw. 11-59 left in the second period. We'll keep you updated on that one. The Oilers farm team in action a little bit later on tonight. Bakersfield Condors will take on Stockton. You can text 780-496-0063. That is also the phone number you can use to reach us. Always appreciate when somebody writes in, especially if you make me laugh. Kyler Yamamoto, four games up with the Oilers this season. Has two goals, had an assist. The Oilers have gone 3-0-1 in the four games he has played. Leon Dreisaitl on his new line mate.
2: I think he understands the game really well. He reads off players and he works very hard. And, um, you know, he's very... Um, Feisty and good in, 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 in puck battles and, and he's able to to make a play off of that, you know, so um, It's been a lot of fun playing with him.
0: What's it like being his line mate on the bench? Is he asking a lot of questions? Is he trying to dissect your brain a little bit as well?
2: Yeah, I mean we have good good Conversations, um, you know, I, I think a, a kid like that you don't have to tell too too much, you know I think once you get more chemistry, you, you just you talk about more like plays that um you know that you want to do over and over again. You know, and, and um, you know something that works. But he's a smart player. He, he knows where to go. He knows what to do. So I don't have to tell him too much. So yeah, he's just more mature. You know, I think that's all it is, really. You know, obviously he's, um, he has some experience playing pro hockey now, and, and played in some 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 uh, some big games, some important games. So um, yeah, he's been a lot of fun to play with. Hopefully, he can he can get better from here on.
1: All right, that's Leon Dreisaitl, and uh, definitely with, with, I mean, Yamamoto's had an effect on the lineup, and I, I don't want to overstate it, but I don't want to understate it either, and we'll see where it goes. He's a younger player. There will still be ups and downs, but with with, with him on that wing, with the line of Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto, I, I feel like we're not just lamenting that McDavid and Dreisaitl can't be together all the time. I, I think those, I mean, they're incredible together. I, I would still like to see them together. But at least with Yamamoto, he's injected a little bit of energy, a little bit of finish, a little bit of checking into the top six. Now, McDavid, here's the thing. McDavid, Neal, and Cassian has been the second best line since Yamamoto came up because I really think Drysdale, Yamamoto, and Nugent Hopkins has been the team's best line since Yamamoto was, was called up. And, and I'm sure there's going to be some things moving around. But, you know, a lot of times you, you talk to people around the league, scouts, other general managers, former general managers, and they often say a player has to have a dimension. You can't just go out there and play some minutes and kind of skate around and kind of do stuff, but he's not really good at anything. To me, Yamamoto has a a dimension, right? He he can play a little bit of a pesty-type game. He's not afraid to be physical, and he has good vision, some good offensive mojo. He's got, it seems to have a good connection with Drysdale, Nugent-Hopkins so far. So he has a dimension. He has some things where you can say, okay, he's good at that. He's not just a guy that goes out there and tries not to make a mistake. He can actually initiate. So so far, so good for for uh, for Yamamoto. At practice today in Montreal, Bob Stoffer tweeting out. I, I mentioned the top two lines staying the same: Gagne with Haas and Chason, Nygard with Shane and Archibald. That means if they stick with this for tomorrow, that Jujar Kara would be a healthy scratch, along with Patrick Russell. I know Kara's been heavily criticized lately. I I thought he's been okay some nights. He can be a bit of a frustrating player because he shows you some flashes. I think sometimes Jujar, speaking of having a dimension, I think sometimes Kara might believe he has a dimension that he really doesn't, or that he might have a dimension that isn't his top dimension. He's a big man. I think when he tries to play in a straight line and throw his weight around a little bit, and and uh, you know chip pucks into the corner and, and body check, then you notice him. I think there are sometimes Kara starts to think, hey, I'm a bit of a dangler. I can I can pick the corner from 40 feet, and I can crisscross, and I can uh, do drop passes, and I can get a little fancy. Then I think you see a Kara that's not as effective. He's been a bit of a frustrating player over the last three years, and uh, he may come out of the lineup tomorrow against Montreal. If you missed it earlier, Matt Benning, skating with the Oilers now, joined the team in uh, Montreal, so he could play pretty soon. Not, not sure if it's going to be tomorrow, but Benning coming along, uh, he's been out with a concussion for quite a while. Uh, I uh, got a text here from Mike. He says, the best thing about Yamamoto is he looks like a player who wasn't developed by the Oilers, which is a great sign for the Oilers. Reminds me of when Craig Smith broke into the league with the Predators. Well, you know, we I, I get into this discussion a lot, and the Oilers have been bad for a really long time. And I, I don't want to spend too much on this topic because I wasn't planning on, on getting into it. But, you know, people say, well, why, why have the Oilers been so bad? You know, there's a lot of reasons. But if you, you can go back and look at the Oilers' draft history, you can do it on HockeyDB, Hockey Reference, probably Wikipedia has it. I mean, it's so easy to access now. Maybe do this in your own time. If you're out driving, check it when you get home, or I don't mind if you do it at the office tomorrow. I won't tell your boss. Check out the Oilers' draft history. Do they have a draft class that you would rate as an A or an A-plus since 1980? I, I don't think they would. They've had some decent draft years. I don't know if there's any you would give an A. There might be a couple Bs along the way, a few Cs, a lot of Ds and Fs. Was it 1990? They didn't have a single draft pick play a game. So if I had to pick one thing... Why have the Oilers not been a very good team, not been a very good franchise? It's because they haven't drafted and or developed well. They haven't been able to bring their own players along, slot them into the right part of the lineup, and then it gets into a negative cycle. Well, we're short this player. We're short this player. we got to rush this guy along. We've got to sign this free agent. So this is the great thing about Yamamoto. He is not being rushed along. He was drafted in 2016. To be expected to make an impact three, four years later is not unrealistic. In the first two years when you're still a teen... Sure. But in the world of pro hockey where most players are in their 20s, to expect to have a 21 or 22-year-old start to figure it out and make an impact, I don't think that's, uh, that's unrealistic. So good point there by, uh, by Mike for sure. And hopefully, hopefully, a sign of things to come for the Oilers. This texture says dimension. LOL. Yamamoto's dimension is five foot six. He might have been an interesting fourth or fifth round pick, but he remains an absolutely horrible first round choice. Totally agree with you, Reed. The drafting has been a disaster since the 1980s. Look, I'm, I'm just going to tell this to, to, to that texture. I don't know if you're someone that doesn't like Yamamoto. I think you got to give the kid a chance to see where he goes. I think you got to give him credit for how he's played so far there were teams that wanted Yamamoto later in the first round after the Edmonton Oilers. One of them was the Nashville Predators who have done a pretty good job as a franchise and had been to the Stanley cup final that spring. And they were drafting what second last because they lost the final to the Predators. So, you know, don't, don't Yamamoto was not some flyer taken by the Oilers. A lot of people had him going late in the first round or, or, or early in the second round. Hopefully he pans out, but if you think that he's an interesting fourth or fifth round pick, you're absolutely wrong. That's not how he was perceived. Not how maybe that maybe that's how you perceive him. That's not how he was perceived by the people making the picks, and and that's really what matters. So that that's absolutely not how he was he was looked at. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. World Junior Gold Medalist Jacob Bernard-Docker when we get back.
0: Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962.
1: 18 minutes after 7, now 3-1 Oil Kings up in Moose Jaw. Seven minutes left in the second period. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern Classics, Spun with a Modern Twist. Pleased to welcome this gentleman to the show. He has added a gold medal from the World Juniors to his collection from Canmore, Alberta, now with the University of North Dakota defenseman Jacob Bernard Docker. Jacob, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. You are a world junior gold medalist. You can be introduced that way for the rest of your life. How does that sound?
3: Yeah, definitely really cool. I think, uh, you know, a special moment for you know, our team and, and the whole country. So um, it was really exciting.
1: It's uh, it's always quite a journey for the players involved in the tournament, and it starts in, in the lead-up to the tournament, getting invited to the camp, and then finding out you've ultimately made the team. What was, what were those moments like for you? Uh, I mean, were there some nerves you had to deal with, or, or how was that whole process for you?
3: Yeah, for sure, there's there's a little bit of nerves there. Um, you know, when they were uh, making releases, and, um, you know, just pure joy when, when I found out that I was on the team. and um, Just an unbelievable experience that I'm never going to forget um, over in the Czech Republic, all those guys.
1: Well, the, the tournament was a pretty interesting one to follow. I mean, in your pool, there, was, there were some uh, upsets, some lopsided scores. Uh, there was even a chance Russia could have been involved in, the, in relegation, and then they made it to the final. i got to ask you about the round robin game against Russia where they beat you guys pretty bad. You know, just was this what happened in that game, and, and how were you guys able to ultimately recover from it, do you think? Yeah, I think it's
3: it was one of those things where um, you know, at the start of the tournament, uh, we said that you know we're not we're not going to roll through this tournament without adversity, and um, you know you're playing against the best players in the world, so uh, you're bound to hit some some bumps in the road. And I think that was obviously a pretty big bump for us, but I think um, you know it turned out to be you know the reason we won, and um, you know definitely helped us learn uh, you know a lot of a lot of lessons there, and uh, kind of taught us about, um, what kind of team we were.
1: What was that one of those games where? You know you're a better team than that, and it just starts spiraling in the wrong direction. Or how did it feel that day? Yeah,
3: I think they just—they outworked us, out-competed us all over the ice. And um, you know we did—we did a pretty bad job in our neutral zone. They—they're flying through there with some some good speed. So um, one of those things where you, you got to go to video the next day, and it's not fun, but um, you know helps fit in the tournament.
1: All right, uh, you go to the final game. You guys were shorthanded a lot in the first period, and then it's it's three-one Russia partway through the third period. You mentioned you knew you were going to have to face adversity. That's a tough time to have to face uh, face it. Tell me about the mood on the bench and uh, who, if anyone, maybe helped keep the keep the, the team calm and positive.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even that, even in that gold medal game, we you knew Russia was a good team, and um, you know, probably wasn't going to be a smooth game, but. Uh, I think just, you know, whatever the score was, we just kind of put our head down and, and trust our coaches, trusted, uh, um, you know, each other. And, um, you know, at the end of it, we, we come out victorious. So um, I think it's one of those things where you just got to trust in, in all the stuff that you've done, all the training, and, um, you know, adversity is going to be a part of it. So
1: Tell me a little bit about a- Akeel Thomas' game-winning goal, a young man who hadn't played a lot in that game, but he took advantage of a big opportunity.
3: Yeah, super, uh, super big goal for us. Obviously, I think uh, that was pretty impressive. Pretty impressive move there. Had to had to reach pretty far and grab the puck, and um, you know, elevate it there quick. So, um, you know, that got our bench hopping, and um, you know, it's something that uh, you know Canadian fans are going to remember for the rest of their lives.
1: Okay, Jacob, you knew I was going to ask you this. There's something else the Canadian fans are going to remember. It's a certain camera. Uh, <laughs> that that play happened. You guys were already short-handed. Um, how, you know, as a player, I know you're caught up in, in, a, in a lot of things and I know not every player sees every play, but do you have a view of that or can you kind of take us through what's going through your mind when they're debating whether or not to call a penalty? Did you know it might have hit the camera or what was that experience like for you?
3: Yeah, for me, I mean, I was on the ice. I didn't even know it hit the camera. I, I just saw it go out. And, you know, my mind kind of just went to, okay, we're going to have to kill this. A six on three, but um, you know, got got a little lucky with that. But um, obviously, obviously, downs we're going to take, and um, you know, it's definitely going to be something that's remembered for a long time. But I think at the end of the day, it's um, you know, whatever was going to happen there, we were ready for it, and um, just willing to battle through whatever came our way.
1: Yeah, did, did you have you seen the footage since then of the puck coming at the camera and hitting it? And I assume you've seen a lot of the the discussion and all that kind of stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah, I've rewatched it. It's pretty crazy that. Uh, you know, somehow managed to hit it. <laughs> I guess that's a game of hockey, and, uh, you know, sometimes you're going to get those bounces, sometimes you won't.
1: Jacob Bernard-Docker joining us on Inside Sports. Won gold with the Canadian World Junior team. He's from Canmore, now playing at the University of North Dakota. Okay, it's uh, it's a dream for a lot of kids to win that gold. Can you just give us your experience of the final seconds of that game, the National Anthem, getting your medal? Uh, I'm, I know maybe it's tough, probably pretty emotional, but how would, how would you summarize that experience?
3: Yeah, you know, at the end there, we're on the, the five-on-three, and, um, you know, coaches were saying just to try to move the puck around and, you know, don't make, don't make any high-risk plays, obviously up by one with 30 seconds left there. So, uh, you know, I just remember looking up the clock that it was at about three and um, just not hesitating to, to skate right down the ice and throw my gloves out in the air. And, um, you know, a moment that I'm never going to forget and uh, just pure joy. What was the anthem like? It was super special. I think, uh, you know, anytime you can hear that anthem and um, you're in a Canadian jersey playing hockey, it's, it's something you're never going to forget. And um, I know it's an experience that um, is going to stay with me for the rest of my life.
1: Okay. And now back to school you go with the University of uh, North Dakota. Yeah, you have games this weekend. And uh, just tell me about playing at that school. I've, I've obviously a well-known, uh, well-known hockey school in the NCAA. What's it been like playing for North Dakota?
3: Yeah, I mean they're, uh, I mean they're they're definitely a huge reason that I got to participate in that tournament. Um, I've had nothing but uh, a lot of good memories here and um, you know, some some adversity last year, but I think this year um, our team's really just kind of figured it out, and um, it's been a, it's been a great experience for me, and um, I love it. love the uh, the coaches and, and my teammates here, so I'm, I'm really enjoying. it.
1: All right, and I, I got to ask you, just circle back to the World Juniors for a second playing games in europe you know hockey is it's an important sport in a lot of european countries it's it's maybe not as high ranking as canada and i know some of the european rinks and towns they have that reputation that the, the going to the hockey game is a bit of a party atmosphere uh, the, the the chanting and maybe the crowds aren't as big as some canadian crowds but they sometimes they might be more boisterous what did you find it was like actually in the rink for the vibe during the games
3: yeah, it was pretty crazy, I think. Um, you know, one of the things that I definitely remember is when we played the the Czechs on New Year's Eve, and all the Czech fans just pretty much jumping the whole game. I don't even know if they sat down. So uh, that was a really cool atmosphere. And, um, you know, it was packed in that building, 8,000 fans pretty much every game. So um, it was really cool.
1: Did you have any family come over and watch?
3: Yeah, my mom, my dad, and my sister all made it out. So it was pretty special.
1: Awesome stuff. Well, Jacob, I appreciate you making time for us. Again, congratulations on an incredible experience, winning gold with the World Juniors. Uh, All the best with the University of North Dakota, and I hope we can talk again. We'll keep following your career, absolutely. Awesome. Thanks for having me. That is Jacob Bernard Docker back at the University of North Dakota from Canmore and a memorable experience for him at the World Juniors. Had a little bit to say on the camera. He was on the ice for the uh, puck being shot out and ultimately Canada not being assessed a penalty. Part of the lore of the tournament, I suppose, as we move forward with the World Juniors and the next edition Right here in Edmonton and Red Deer, starting on Boxing Day. This portion of the show presented by Furnace Family. You can experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five star Google reviews. Call 7804Family or visit FurnaceFamily.com. We're going to catch up with Scott Hartnell in the next half hour of the show. Uh, Scott, always an interesting personality when he played. I still like the story he saw a. Uh, a Penguins fan, when he played for Philadelphia, a Penguins fan had made a Philadelphia Fart Smell jersey, and he went and signed it, your buddy Scott Fart Smell, and he made a fun video recreating McDavid's goal the other night playing against his uh, playing against his son. So Scott's going to tell us a little bit about that. We will check the scoreboard as well, hear a little bit more from the Oilers after they practice today.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it?
0: Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962.
1: Boy, well, that new Amsterdam show sounds intense. My goodness, I was getting all agitated just listening to the commercial. I've never watched it. You ever watched it, Kellen? Never have. Sounds exciting, though. That sounded very exciting. Yes. My goodness. My goodness. I watched, actually, quite a bit of the Golden Globes, and I realized there are a lot of television shows and movies I, I don't know much about. Right. This Fleabag show that won Best Comedy? I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is either. I don't know what it is. The only thing I've, I've seen was I saw a clip of Ricky, Ricky Gervais' uh, opening
0: monologue on Twitter. And...
1: Succession won Best Drama? I don't know what it is. got to read up on these shows. Uh, what won the movies? I don't know. Not, well, 1917, and did, I yeah. think did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood win Best uh, Musical or or Comedy? I don't think it's a musical. I still want to see it. Oh, you know, I would see it. Oh, yeah. Tar- Tarantino's great. Yeah, most of his stuff is. Uh, I heard is nothing very but good, good things about it. So Fleabag and Succession, recommend or not recommend? You can text seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Jets leading the Maple Leafs 3-2. That's early in the third period. Flyers leading the Capitals 3-2. That is also early in the third period. And uh, still coming up later, Dallas and Los Angeles. The Oil Kings looking good, leading Moose Jaw 4-2, heading to the uh, third period. The Big L says, hey, Reed, uh, hope you and yours enjoyed the holidays. World Juniors, great format, short round robin, do or die, prelims and a true final watched it since its inception, and although I always pull for our Canadian kids, I must admit I really enjoy the stage and the drama. As a father of two boys and having coached, I appreciate the efforts of every one of those young men. Great tournament from the Big L and the World Juniors. It is a great tournament. Yeah, it's it's quick. You got a chance to bounce back like Canada did. Lost 6 nothing to Russia. Came back and beat them in the final. I would see them, if I, if I was going to split hairs about something, I would like to see them go back to the format where the first-place team in each pool got a bye. So you had them get a bye into the semi. So if you finish first in your pool, you're guaranteed to play for a medal because you'll play in the semi, and then you'll either play in the bronze medal game or the uh, gold medal game. They've put the one-versus-four crossover game back in for the last few years. I would think there's some financial motivation around that to get an extra elimination game in the tournament. But I I think in in a short tournament like that, if you have a good... Round robin, go four and zero. Oh, you, you should have the advantage of getting a bye into the semifinal as opposed to playing perhaps a game that could not go your way. But anyway, that's just uh, me in a perfect world. Uh, to the texture who just texted in about the two television shows um, using having acted like he or she misheard the names of the shows i was saying your text is extremely funny however i do not think appropriate to read on air do you see it kellen
3: uh, i'm going to look at you it you should shortly. look
1: it's the one that came in at 7:36. Uh, the first one of the two Th- thank you very much for that text i'm, I'm going to just just because some of the uh, language in there well it's not that bad but i'll leave it alone and it'll be our, our private little joke Okay, I've seen it. That's funny. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, Another, uh, JJ says, uh, Reed, I thought Succession was brutal when I started it, but I was told to stick with it, and it's good. That is from JJ. Just a side note here, speaking of television shows, I watched the entire Watchmen series in December. I loved it. Really good. And uh, usually my father and I have some sort of a viewing project, we call it, where we'll say, okay, we're going to watch a show and we'll always get together to watch it. So sometimes it might take a while to watch a show because we say, Don't, we're not going to watch episodes on our own. We'll always watch together. So over the past, heck, decade, we've done uh, Deadwood. We did The Wire. Uh, we did Breaking Bad. We've done Better Call Saul the first three seasons. We're still waiting for the fourth season to come out on Netflix. Some of these other shows we did off DVD. And now we're doing Mindhunter. We have one episode left in the first season of Mindhunter. That is a well-written show. Have you watched that, Kellen? No, I have not. Mindhunter is very good. It's, it's uh, really good. David Fincher, who directed Seven, one of the I think one of the greatest movies of all time, he's involved in this. So we have one episode yeah. left in uh, season one and then i think there's 9 episodes in, in season 2 so we got to get through
0: i that. was going to ask you briefly about watchmen was it better than the movie or is it uh, on par or
1: yes it's better than the movie better than the movie and cool this the, the, the watchmen is not an an adaptation of the the comic series oh it's a okay. sequel ah okay yes it's it's uh, it's very good it's it's way better than the movie that they made for sure 7804960063 mm. uh, somebody else says uh, succession is excellent Ask Halsey. All right, I'll have to ask Brian Hall. I don't get to see Halsey a lot. He's here in the mornings, I'm here in the afternoon and into the early evening. Oilers practice today in Montreal. A lot of people, uh, a lot of the Montreal media asking about Kyler Yamamoto. Connor McDavid talked about an underrated part of Yamamoto's game. I'd say his physicality.
3: Um, you know, lots of people, you know, I think the first thing that people think about when, when Yamamoto is just maybe his size, and, and uh, you know, he's a little bit of a smaller guy, but, you know, he, he brings a lot of energy, and, and uh, you know, he hits guys that uh, maybe twice his size. So, the um, well, guys definitely admire that.
1: All right, so the Oilers this season, they were 7-1-1. and then they had a stretch where they went 9-6-2, and still not bad. Then they had a stretch where they went 4-10-1. That's pretty bad. Now they've gone uh, 3-0-1 in their last four games. So I, I, I hate to say this, an extended stretch of success, but looking a little better lately. Leon Dreisettle commented on their recent form.
2: I think we've been playing more consistent. Um, you know, attention to details um, has been better. And, um, you know, obviously con- contribution from... From every player that that dresses up for us so um yeah it's been uh it's been a good good little stretch for us so um yeah keep it going
1: and dave tippett as well on the order's recent play we went through a tough december we had a lot of
3: games in a short amount of time we didn't get a lot of practice time we've had some games coming out of the break here that uh we had two or three real good days of practice uh we tweaked a few things and how we want to play and uh i think the players just coming out mentally sharp have been uh We've been just played better lately, so we have to try to continue that. We've, uh, You know, we've had, our schedule's been pretty good where we, we haven't had a lot of uh, strenuous uh, days in it, so we, we bring a lot of energy to the game, and we're, we're playing a solid game, so hopefully that continues.
1: Tippett talked there about the schedule. They did play a lot in December. Here's what I think about this, because I I know, you know, Rob and I talked about this after uh, a couple of games in December. And and I know some of you are be like, ah you don't want to hear it. It's an excuse here. And and you know what? And I'm going to explain what I think, because I think in some ways it it is an excuse. The schedule has an impact. Travel has an impact. And... We've discussed that back-to-back games aren't as arduous as they used to be. When Rob played, Dave Tippett gave that great quote earlier in the season about how things have changed for travel and accommodations and preparation and fitness and recovery and all those types of things. But if you play four and six, you know, six and nine, or you're traveling a lot, sure, that has an effect. So you could look at a team's schedule and say, man, that might be tough, either because of the quality of the opponent or because of the travel. But I will also say this, the really good teams still find a way when the odds are stacked against them. And that's why the Oilers aren't a great team. They might be a good team. I, you know, I think they are a good team. I certainly thought they could play better during that 15-game stretch when they won only four. But the really good teams aren't going to have a 15-game stretch where they win four, where they go 4-10-1, even if they have a lot of travel. They might get tired. They might be worn down. They might be playing tough teams. They might have to play, you know four and six on the road or come back home and go out again. But a good team over that 15 game stretch is going to go, you know, seven, seven, and one, six, five, and four, something like that. They'll still find a way to get more points than the Oilers did during that stretch. So I I think, I I think we'd be, I I think it would be a little naive to say, oh, travel and fatigue doesn't affect hockey players. They're still going to get affected by it, even though they're in good shape but the really good teams and the Oilers aren't there overcome a lot of that and, and still get the points. But hopefully now, game's a little more spaced out, more practice time. Now they got to make hay. I mean, now they can't use that as, as something to fall back on. Absolutely. Okay. Sean from Bruderheim says, uh, Brian Cox, who plays the theater owner in Deadwood, is uh, also in succession. He is excellent. Uh, This texter says, Hi, Reid. Quick question. If shooting the puck over the glass is considered delay of game, why wouldn't high sticking a puck be the same instead of just a stoppage on a faceoff? Yeah, I, I think just because some players would accidentally on purpose shoot the puck over the glass. Whereas high sticking the puck, you're probably trying to knock it down. You're not necessarily sure how high it is. This texter says, do you think there are going to be any trades before the deadline? Will Kara be on the block with his struggles? That is from Patrick. I think there could be. The Oilers would still like to get a depth center. I don't think they want to trade a prospect, though, and I don't think they want to trade the first-round pick. Uh, Could Jujar Kara be traded? Sure. Again, what is his value right now? You're probably looking at putting somebody else uh, in the package with him. If you're going to trade Jujar Kara because I, I think other teams would say, well, you're scratching him because he's underperforming. He may be scratched tomorrow. Uh, somebody wrote today. Yeah, Jim Matheson was tweeting some stuff today. You know, could the orders go after somebody like uh, Athanasiu? Could Benino, somebody like that, be available? Um Yeah, Matheson wrote, Holland likely won't trade his first rounder, but his second rounder and say a defense prospect is likely in play for another forward at the trade deadline. Now, I don't think that would be Broberg or Bouchard, so maybe a Samarukov or somebody like that. But I think the Oilers could make a trade before the deadline. I would not expect it to be earth-shadowing, probably looking to round out the depth a little bit. Scott Hartnell, when we get back. Oilers Canadians tomorrow face off show at three thirty. Game starts at five here on six thirty Chad. Scott Hartnell, a first round draft pick of the Nashville Predators in two thousand combined regular season and playoffs played over 1300 nhl games scott welcome back to inside sports how are you doing i'm great how you doing i'm doing very well it's always nice to have you on show the show so thank you very much for checking in i don't know if i should introduce you as analyst on the nhl network as former nhl or perhaps aspiring filmmaker given uh, the appearance on twitter <laughs> yesterday with uh, uh, with your little guy <laughs> Yeah,
0: no, I, I was working at the NHL Network, and and Connor McDavid obviously made that spectacular goal, and and me and Kevin Weeks were just uh, just howling how unbelievable that move was, and just everything that led up to that move, every single thing he was doing, looking up, almost like he was looking for someone. I thought he was looking up at his mom in the stands, and and next thing you know, he he just burns by Riley and puts it top shelf and. So I said, well, maybe I could beat my son like that. Uh, Maybe I'll do that tomorrow morning. So I was uh, one of those one-takers, and and he whacked the stick out of my hands, just like I would have done to somebody
1: uh, when I played. So it was – uh, pretty awesome uh, moment well that's what that's what i well two things struck me about that is that you decided to play the role of mcdavid as opposed to the role of riley and then yes that, that, <laughs> you, that, that your son decided that your, your celebration was a little excessive and had to give you the shot did you so he's already has the edge that yeah. you had when you played <laughs>
0: yeah it, it was pretty it was pretty funny santa got uh, santa got him those skates uh, you know christmas morning so you know once uh well, once every couple of days, we'll go up there and put him on for 10 minutes. He loves to walk around in them. And, you know, like the, uh, I don't know if that will help down the road, just kind of feeling comfortable wearing them, uh, you know, before he gets on the ice. But, you know, we kind of uh, have fun with each other, obviously. And uh, it was a pretty, pretty fun little moment there. So,
1: I mean, you, you obviously played a, a lot of years in the NHL. So you would have been on the ice or on a team that maybe had a player score a spectacular goal, or, or had one scored against you is it inspiring and or deflating depending on what side of it you're on or, or do you just sort of expect it from the great players that once in a while there there's going to be a, a highlight and and maybe sometimes you couldn't do much to stop it yeah you know sometimes
0: you got to tip your cap to you know an exceptional play and that uh, that one in particular was was unbelievable uh mcdavid scored that one great goal when he was hurt uh, uh, I think in a second year and uh, his first game back was against the Blue Jackets I was playing I was on the ice I was back checking and he dangled our goalies dangled McElhaney and scored and so it was uh, you know I had a first row, <laughs> better than a first row experience for that goal too so uh, you know you, you can celebrate all you want when you score score sweet goals like that but yeah I don't know I, I it's obviously great for the game and and Uh, It's just so cool to watch, and it was uh, a special moment, obviously, for him, doing that in Toronto where
1: where he grew up and trains and all that stuff. Well, and look, I I followed your career, obviously, pretty closely. I mean, you and I have known each other since the summer you were drafted in in 2000. You scored 327 NHL goals. You had 37 in one year with the Flyers, but I I know yours were generally – of of perhaps a different variety (laughs) perhaps of a little more of a uh, a little closer to the net and a little more uh, blunt force involved shall we say
0: (laughs) no absolutely I that was where I made a living It was right in front of the net and took a bunch of cross checks and flashes to pay the price to score those goals but you know it's if I didn't do that I definitely wouldn't have had the career that I had and played as long as I had and you know, all that kind of stuff. But it's, uh, you know, it's fun to see there's a few guys in the league that uh, remind me a lot of like myself. I guess both the Kachuk boys, uh, they play a lot like their dad, but uh, it's fun to see them, you know, kind of rough and tumble guys. Uh, You know, not afraid of the rough stuff, but go to the net, play hard, and, you know, lots of skill as well.
1: Scott Hartnell joining us on Inside Sports. In terms of the Oilers, I'm curious to get your perspective. I mean, we talk about them every day here in Edmonton, and maybe some of the challenges with the depth. Uh, the goaltending's been pretty good, a few blips, but uh, generally, generally pretty good. Koskinen has been better than Smith. Yamamoto's come up and made a nice impact on the second line because now they're not playing Drysdale and McDavid together. They're sort of in that big middle of the pack with a lot of teams where it could still go either way in the second half of the season. You know, how how do you look at the Oilers? Are you you as concerned about the the depth scoring and you know McDavid and Drysettle carrying the the load as a lot of us here in Edmonton are, or how do you see the team?
0: Yeah, well, obviously they're they're carrying the load. They're I think one two in, in scoring in the NHL, and uh, but they're special players, and those special players do special things for your team, right? And you know it's it's to get that secondary scoring where you know your third and fourth lines uh definitely need to step up and, and chip in for goals because you know sometimes it's going to dry up for for those two big boys in the top two lines or the power play might slump for a few games but you know the you can't let uh um you know things get a little haywire you might have a, a you know few bad games whatever but you got to keep going with what uh, has got them there uh there so far right so i i love the team i love the setup you know i love the way they're coached this year they've uh uh, play really hard, so it's, it's definitely a, a team. When you know deciding between which games to watch on TV, that uh, you definitely dial it in.
1: Well, you brought up uh, you love the way their coach Dave Tippett, and I, you know, I, I don't think we should forget about Jim Playfair either. They worked together in Arizona. Are, is there, um, and you would have played against a lot of Dave Tippett coach teams in your career? Is there something about Tippett or the way he gets his teams to play that that you might want to share with Oilers fans here that they can continue to see grow as we move forward?
0: Yeah, well, I don't know him uh, personally at all, but uh, you know, obviously I had some friends that played under him and. You know just how uh, you know how he gets guys focused, everyone dialed in. You know there's a system to play, and and you know maybe and maybe other than McDavid or Dry Settle, like you have to buy into that system, and you know keep, you know holds guys accountable. You can't uh, you can't get off the you know, or get on your own page rather than what the team's doing. So uh, you, you know you can see that right from the get go that the Oilers uh, were buying in, and that's and that's the main thing you want from a coach too. You you have guys going on their own page things get a little haywire and and you know that dressing room is not uh you know as tight as it should be so he's done a great job of just kind of refocusing i think that whole team and and organization and obviously ken holland uh, uh the respect and and the resume that he's had he's uh,
1: a big part of that as well all right, and I, I should touch on just a couple other things going on uh, around the league. You were uh, you were a Nashville Predator at the start of your career, and then uh, for 17-18 as well, and Predators had a great record that year. Uh, Peter Violette was the head coach, 53 games, uh, and they made the coaching change. Peter's done well everywhere he's gone, but uh, you know every coach uh, has a shelf life. What, what do you see from the Predators? Do you think they're still poised to, to make a charge, or is this maybe a sign that they're not going to be quite the the team they have been in the past how do you look at their situation
0: well i i don't see why not like i look at their roster and and you know the names they have on there it's like man how come they're not doing better than they are right and and you know unfortunately for Lavi i love the the way he coaches uh, him as a person and you know he's the uh, guy picks first uh um you know on the fire, firing block you know what i mean so, and, you know, traded Johansson because he's so valuable, but is he playing the best hockey that he possibly can? Probably not. You can go right at the, down the list. Is Victor Robinson playing the best hockey? Probably not. Um, you know, you can go right through those guys, and, and so it's frustrating, obviously, for a coach when you're trying to get the most, you're probably, you know, trying to push uh, uh, guys' buttons, and, you know, that voice, you know, when you're kind of yelling at guys, and um, trying to push them, it gets old, right? And that's, uh, you know, that's obviously probably why they they made that change. But, you know, I, I, I you look at it, I'm like, how come they're, how can they not run off? You know, eight out of ten, nine out of ten, and, and be two points out instead of the seven eight that they are right now. So I, I, I still believe in them. I, I think they can get it done. But you know, it's gonna, they can't wait four or five games to figure it out. They need to change things right now
1: and and get some uh, get some wins. All right, one more for you, Scott, uh, kind of a fun one. You, know, you had a long career in the NHL. You got to play in, in Philly, a uh, you know, very successful and proud franchise in the NHL. You got to be a predator in their early days, and, and you know, they become a really popular team there. And it's an interesting week for the Oilers. They were in Boston, they were in Toronto, now they're in Montreal, and they're still going to go to Calgary and face their rival. When you played, was there a city or a rink that you just love the vibe, or or you got up for a game in either because it was in a certain city, or because you were playing a certain franchise.
0: Yeah, I I think probably my my coolest experiences. Uh, you know, I obviously had a couple of good games uh, as well in the city. It would be Montreal and uh, the Bell Centre. That the the places, the franchise obviously is so historic. The uh, the players that have come through there, the the obviously the Stanley Cups they have won and. You know, growing up as a young kid, you watched you know Patrick Law lead them to a Stanley Cup in '93. So you know that was obviously a cool experience as a kid watching a a Canadian team like that win. But uh, you know, just the I don't know, just the energy, the atmosphere, how how the crowd gets behind their team is is probably the coolest thing. So you know, for one of those fans to watch watch them play there, it's it's, you know you got to go there
1: once to experience it because it's just uh, it's it's honestly life changing because there's nothing like it. Scott, it's always great to have you on the show. All the best in your continued work with the uh, NHL Network. Look forward to uh, future recreations of great moments in the NHL with, uh, with you and the boy. <laughs> I hope we can have you on the show again <laughs> soon. I appreciate it, Reed. Good talk, to you, buddy. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.